If you're a business owner or a business leader and you're managing all the functions of your C-suite, subscribe to our channel, turn on notifications, and let's start talking about how you can make the most use of your time so that you can enjoy life and keep the dream alive. Welcome to another episode of Fractional with Chris Capone and Associates. Today I have Dane Scalise here. Dane, thanks for coming. Chris, very excited. Yeah, man, the stars aligned and we're able to get you in. Hey, look, the stars aligned because you said be here at this place at this time and I said done. Awesome. There, all day. Yeah, man, I've been I've been looking forward to this one. We haven't uh like uh like Rob was saying I had to move my podcast to later in the day because people were a little bewildered by my drinking. No, okay. I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is our this is our, our we're we're here late in the day for everybody listening, but 1 p.m. We've got <laughs> we got a little uh, bourbon here that we're going to pour and uh and we're going to talk about business and politics and all that good stuff. So I got this little kit that I've learned. Nice. That I've kind of dialed in. It's nothing special, but I got a bag of ready-made ice right here. So here, take a glass. Good deal. We'll do a Thank little, you, sir. Yeah, man. We'll do a little, little bourbon on the rocks. And for those that aren't And this, this bourbon is a prop bourbon, right? Yeah, this is a... Yeah, this is a prop. Yeah, no. What it is is it's prohibition style. Oh, uh, okay. Because we're hanging out with Capone, we're gonna we're gonna drink right. some prohibition. Right. Yeah. So you want to grab your own ice? Yeah, or, absolutely. Thank yeah. you. This day and age, you know, you never know what the hell's going on out there. I'm not uh, fancy. Cool. All right. Well, while we do this, Dane, tell us, uh, give us a little intro. I mean, you are a, a lawyer. Yep. You had you are in the insurance game, and yep. you're also the county commissioner. How do you do all three of those things? Hopefully reasonably well, <laughs> with some uh, uh, high degree of um, organization and a tremendous degree of patience and tolerance from my family. Um, but yes, those are some of the things that I do. I guess it's mostly what fills my day. Um, let me start by saying uh, really the most important thing to me, not trying to be uh, too cool for school or yeah. anything... I'm a husband and I'm a father. That's awesome. Um, my wife and I have been married for 10 years. Her name's Katya. Great person. Uh, supports me in every which way that she possibly could and is a terrific mom to our kids. We have two sons, age eight and five. They are uh, really good at a number of things. Uh, do some wrestling, do some swimming, do some soccer, Great at schoolwork, also great at beating on each other a little bit. That sounds about right. Brothers two, are yeah. want to do. Boys, I have yeah. I have three younger brothers, so I know a little bit about that. Oh, but they're gosh. actually there's some sweethearts. And I'm really uh, I'm really proud to uh, be a family man because uh, I came from uh, a family that I'm really proud of, and I'm mm -hmm. trying hard to uh, help to recreate in the household that I grew up in. Uh, just what I had in terms of my upbringing, and so far so good. Some challenges, obviously, that are out there. I know you're you're newly in this world. I know right? it, it really hits home when you're saying that because you know everybody likes you know loves to talk about their family, right? Yeah. And I totally get it, but like it's much more now. I've got a five week old boy at home, and yeah, and yeah, just it changes everything in the best way that I could have ever imagined. Man. Well, I mean, we all have things that motivate us. Yeah. It, could, it could be your wife. Or, yeah, it could be your husband. Yeah, please, thank you. Your kids, uh, your pets, your parents, your siblings. But something has got to motivate us to wake up every day and do whatever it is that we've committed ourselves to doing. Heck, So yeah. it's not the same for everybody, but this is what uh, ended up working out for me. And it does definitely motivate me to do the best work possible in those realms that you described. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of background about me if... Um, you don't mind? I'll start. Before we do that. Yeah, go ahead. Cheers, brother. Oh, great. Cheers. Good to have you on the show. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. 
Oh, that's the good stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. Whoa. Lucky duck. <laughs> beginning right. at the beginning, yep. I'm from Morganton, North Carolina, which is the western part of North Carolina. It's between Hickory and Asheville on Interstate 40. Yep. And lived there until I was 18 years old, went to Freedom High School. Uh, actually, my 20-year high school reunion is this weekend. And uh, going to try to make it back. We'll see. Uh, just had to travel back that way yesterday. Maybe we'll talk about that in a Definitely little bit. Definitely want to talk about that, yep. But uh, the plan is to go over there this weekend, see all of my friends from back home, and uh, you know, figure out what everybody's been up to for the last little bit. I, I really had a great high school, a lot of friends that I've stayed in touch with. Yeah. After high school, I went a little bit further down Interstate 40 to uh, UNC Greensboro. I was an English and history major, and uh, as may be the case for other English and history majors at the end of their time in school, one says to oneself, what am I going to do with this English degree, this history degree? I did consider becoming a professor uh, Mm -hmm. for some period of time. I I can see that considered becoming a, a filmmaker whenever i come into a studio like this i'm just astounded at the uh the work that goes into making something like this podcast happen Heck the yeah. equipment that you have to have the talent that you have to have i know these folks don't want recognition but shout out to the folks that are making this happen appreciate y'all yeah robin signal fire makes it easy I, we just get to show up with bring your own bourbon bring your own whatever and 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 have some fun. Rob and I have been knowing each other for a good while. He's a great guy, uh, multi-talented, really knows how to network, really knows how to communicate. So I'm glad that you guys got hooked up. Um, After graduating from UNCG, I went a little bit further down Interstate 40 to Chapel Hill for law school. I practiced law out there for two years after finishing law school was three years. So I was there for five years and uh, ultimately had kind of a a crazy thing happen to me. There was this, uh, this guy so crazy it happens to lots of people but it was crazy at the time right there was this guy who i was working for and we had a fairly good-sized firm 20 lawyers something thereabouts and in 2012 he determined that he was going to run for governor of north carolina and uh he basically said to everybody at the firm yeah i'm shutting the firm down so uh you know see you guys later thanks for the time that we spent together (laughs) a little bit unexpected uh a little bit scary i didn't know what i was going to do i actually didn't like the job terribly much although it did give me a lot of exposure and experience as for instance i started out doing a bunch of different types of litigation i did some medical negligence work but i also represented the city of durham and their police department in connection with for instance uh, the duke cross matter there was a big civil lawsuit that was associated with that i did some work for town of wake forest with some land use issues. So I got a, a wide range of experience and notably got to travel around the country for basically that two year of practice uh, doing depositions. Wow. And uh, that gave me a lot of exposure and experience into what law looks like. Uh, it's a, a lot, yes, about drafting documents and doing research. But at the end of the day, there's also somebody that has to go do depositions. And depositions are where you go and ask people questions right. and try to learn what happened in the case that you're litigating. And then ultimately it culminates in a trial. And I had an opportunity to uh, do a number of uh, bench trials, which is before a judge, but also a jury trial, uh, three weeks long. It was in Gaston County. Um, didn't win, but didn't lose. I could I split could, jury. I could see you in there just just going to town, just killing it. It was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of stress. It was a, a really important case to us. Obviously, for yeah. any of my clients, what is important to them is important to me. But it really gave me an excellent opportunity to see uh, the life the lifespan of a lawsuit yeah. whenever somebody brings in a case to you and says here's here's what I'm I'm working on here's what I have going on how can we get to where I want to be and following that thing all the way through to its conclusion which could include an appeal right um but 
you know, that part was good. The part that was not good was, again, this a big surprise. Uh, I, I no longer have a job. And he didn't even give me two weeks' notice. I think he gave me, like, eight days' notice. And he actually Did he do, like, a severance package? No, no, because actually he said to me— Legally. That, yeah, he said, I, I'm not really firing you. I'm putting you on furlough, right? <laughs> it was—that's uh, a nice way of saying— you're being fired and you're not give, getting a severance package. Unbelievable. Um, well, I'm not going to say his name. Not my favorite guy in the whole world. Yeah. Uh, but I actually appreciate him and credit him for giving me some exposure and experience. I think he was really interested in politics and less in practicing law at the time that yep. I got involved in 2010. Mm -hmm. uh, so it actually was a good thing for me because basically he didn't want to do the practice of law. So, uh, so he basically said, hey, look, you do it. And I said, well, I don't really know how to. And he said, well, go figure it out. So it was one of those classic sink or swim situations. Yeah. And maybe somebody who was more prudent in their own practice wouldn't have had me do that. But it worked out great for me, and I got good results for our clients. And he so, probably trusted you. Yeah, I, I mean, guess so. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think that it's probably something along those lines, some version of those things. The other piece that was wonderful is that there was a partner over there that was a really good guy. He got also got impacted by this, mm -hmm. went over to another firm and reached out to me. And this is one of the things that was those, those critical moments in your career where he didn't have to do this to me, but he knew that I was floundering. And he called me afterward and he said, look, I landed at this other firm. I'm going to send you work until you can get on your feet. Wow. So he didn't have to do that. He didn't have a position to hire me over there. But basically, I think more or less out of his, his own billables, he cut me in. And it really wow. demonstrated to me that there are some people out there that are really good people. And if you have the, and I know that already, you knew that already, but yeah. it's nice to see it in action. Absolutely. So whenever he gave me that opportunity, I said, man, I got to make sure that I, I pay stuff like this forward. Yep. In the meantime, while I was doing all of that, basically I had an opportunity to move down to the, the coast with my then girlfriend, now wife. And uh, we said, we're going to just sort of beach bomb it and do some work remotely until I figure out where I'm going to go. I'm probably going to go to Raleigh. I'm probably going to go to Charlotte and work for a firm there. And I was in the middle of applying two jobs in, uh, in firms yeah. in, in those areas. And, you know, we'll just see what happens. This will work out in the meantime, living at the beach. It's so cool. Yeah. Around that time, I think people were still not quite clear on whether or not Wilmington was a jobs location. I, I will say definitively now and now any number of times during this presentation and elsewhere, it is. Yep. This is a place where people can come and do some work of whatever variety that we want. It's changed a lot. Uh, Natalie English, uh, Chamber, yep. any number of other people, Wilmington Business Development, uh, Cliff, uh, they, they're doing, Scott, they're doing great work. And of course, there are those entrepreneurs that have dedicated themselves to making this area something meaningful, yep. the Live Oak banks of the world. Right. Uh, that really has changed the game. But it's also not just about the big companies. It's about a bunch of entrepreneurs like us. Yeah, and absolutely. I think that brings me forward in the story a little bit to this opportunity to work with a firm here in Wilmington. It was a small firm that had basically a need for an associate with some experience, mm -hmm. somebody who had had some deposition experience and trial experience, knew his way, her way around uh, a case without having to be taught everything from the ground up. Right, right. So the guy that I worked for, um, I'm happy to say, uh, his name's Chris Terrio. He's still a lawyer that practices in this area. 
Um, and we'll probably talk about him again because he's a part of what I do in my legal practice. He has his own law firm. I have my own law firm, but we share some of the work together and end up doing a lot of stuff for a lot of people in town. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we worked together for a number of years, three years, I think, and then I decided it was time for me to go and do my own gig. I started my own firm. Uh, That was cool, but then my first foray into politics came into focus totally unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. I received a phone call. There was a, a guy here in town. He's deceased now, but he was, uh, he, was a, he was a big guy who helped a lot of people. Me as one of them. His name's Parks Griffin. And he called me, and he said, um, gov- the governor, Governor McCrory, is looking to appoint somebody to uh, the North Carolina Industrial Commission. There's a position called deputy commissioner, and essentially it is a position where you're a traveling judge over workers' compensation and state tort claim act matters. Interesting. Okay. So you're like a judge, but you don't wear a robe. You handle basically insurance disputes, but you're bound by judicial code of ethics. You got to travel around the state and hopefully help people to make fair decisions on whether or not a work comp claim should be pay- paid out. Or sometimes I even went to central prison up in Raleigh and I determined whether or not uh, an inmate had a who had a grievance against the state of North Carolina should be compensated in connection with that. It was some wild stuff. That's wild. So I didn't expect to be doing this governmental position, this political position, but it was a cool opportunity to be a judge at uh, age 32 and to basically travel around the state and try to bring to bear on each and every situation a fair and just result, not letting my own bias and emotion get into the equation. Easier said than done, right? Right. do you have a challenge with that? Uh, is it something that... It is something that you have to... It's about having awareness. Yeah. Knowing that... And it's the same thing with ego, right? Like, ha- having the awareness that you are human nature is that you're going to be biased. Right. Human nature is that, you know, we have an ego. And I just... You know, part of my, like, I don't know, daily routine in the morning is, you know, everybody's got their routine. But part of it is like, all right, like, just, you know... Be humble, work yeah. hard, and 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 do what's right. Yeah, it sounds super cheesy, but it no, it's it's, it's honestly what I have to do to keep my keep me on keep me on in between the lines. You know? It's a good reminder that it doesn't matter if you're acting as a lawyer, if you're acting as a judge, if you're acting as a CPA, if you're yep. acting as a construction worker, whatever you're doing, you you're gonna have those moments where you know you say, hey, am I letting my my worst self get in the way of my best self? Yep, and. Um, we obviously don't want to do that ever. And we especially don't want to do it in a context of being a judge because there's a written record and then people can look back on it and say, Absolutely. you done goofed. But I think it also applies to filing taxes and you All know, that whatever else stuff. that everybody's yeah. doing. Yeah, so, absolutely. That was a, a wild thing. And uh, come 2020, um, I had two years left on a six-year term. And I was... Um, I guess I was happy in the sense that I liked the work that I was doing, but because I was bound by the judicial code of ethics, I couldn't really do anything else other than be this judge. Yeah. I couldn't advocate for people. Advocacy right. is really important to me. Yep. Um, so I said to myself, well, what's next? You know, I, 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 I dumped my practice so that I could take on this job. So you stopped? Yeah, that was a full-time job. Yeah. No, I mean, let me make clear. In order to take this job on and get that salary and travel around the state being a judge and having people say your honor, which is cool, but it, like, wears off after, like, day three. It's not that big of a deal. (laughs) Day three. Uh, I, I had to leave my law practice behind. I was not allowed to practice law. You're prohibited from practicing law while you serve as a judicial officer in North Carolina. Got it. So my clients were all gone. I was like... Well, 
what's going to happen? Maybe I get reappointed. Maybe I don't. Do I even want to get reappointed? Do I want to go do something else? I, I didn't know. I was at an interesting inflection point of my life. Part of the reason this job was good is because my first son was born right as I was getting rolling with this job. Yeah. And I had an opportunity because it was like a steady nine to five job. Right. To right. go in, do my nine to five yep. and otherwise spend time with my wife and kids. Yeah. And then I had a second son with my wife. And, you know, I, I really got to, over the course of those four years, spend some some good time with my kids that I don't know that with my current schedule, I would have been able to appreciate as much. Uh, but I, I knew that I wanted to make a transition. I wasn't exactly sure what. One of the big and important things to me, and I encourage all the folks that are watching this to do it if they're not already doing it, if they're interested at all in networking, expanding their network, um, start volunteering. Start going to nonprofit meetings. Become a member of the chamber. Become a member of WDI. There's a lot of different things that you can do to get plugged into this community. Yep. Look, all communities are basically the same and basically different. It depends on where you go, and we could go down the, the litany of items that are the same and different everywhere. But truly, Wilmington, New Hanover County, this is a place where if you want to get plugged in, you can get plugged in very easily. And the best way for you to do it is to start volunteering, yep. start attending nonprofit meetings, giving back to your community. And you're not going to get some immediate return on your investment. And that's not why you should be doing it. Nope. But you're going to make some friends. You're going to make some contacts that I promise you are going to end up giving you business in the long run. Yep. And that's what happened to me because there was a guy that I had done a bunch of nonprofit work uh, with. His name's Hank Step. He owned, uh, he owns an insurance brokerage company called Griffin Estep, which Griffin is actually Parks Griffin. That was his partner who ah, is deceased. It's starting to come full circle and now. Okay. Hank yep. Estep, uh, yep. after Parks uh, died, unfortunately, he, um, he, uh, he took over the company completely and has a, a great staff. And essentially, this business is a business that provides employee benefits right. to about 200 companies, institutions. Uh, throughout southeastern North Carolina. Okay. So some of them are little. We got two, three um, people in a, in a company, and then we've got up to 2,000. Wow. And so uh, Hank has uh, a lot of passion for volunteering, as did I. And he said, look, you, uh, you're you saying you're not so happy with what you're doing. Um, I could use a, a lawyer to come on to my business. I said, you, really? You, you you want a lawyer? People don't usually want a lawyer, but all right, that's nice to say. <laughs> oh, but you'll help me with uh, sales. You'll help me with account management. You'll help me with uh, making sure that our existing clients are taken care of. Yep. And I got to tell you, that's one of the things that sold me on the business from the get-go and has kept me there happily ever since then. We are not obsessed with growth. Right. We don't really care about whether or not we're getting in new people all the time. We have an amazing block of clients that yep. we are dedicated 1,000% to That's making awesome. sure that they're happy. And as you might imagine, as a consequence of that, we end up getting a lot of work that exactly. comes from that. It's but I mean, if, if you can yeah. take care of your existing block of whatever business that you have, and I know there's probably some business gurus that would say, you got to always be looking for new and whatever. Well, that's not the way we do it. We, uh, we look out for the folks that we've got in-house, and they don't leave us because we take care of them better than anyone else. Well, I mean, I, th I think a good business guru would say that the best marketing and the most inexpensive marketing that you can do is to do good work for your clients and the power of referrals because business owners hang out with other business yep. owners and people know other people. So I, I think that philosophy makes all the sense in the world. 
really brings us to the modern day because over the last three years, three and a half years, uh, basically what I did was I resigned my appointment to the Industrial Commission. I reestablished my law firm. Uh, Griffin Estep, the insurance brokerage company, hired me as their general counsel and put me in charge of handling some things uh, in their in their business, including all those items that I described. And oh, cool. in addition to that, represent a bunch of other companies, helping them with uh, contracts, litigation. I primarily represent businesses, yep. Uh, yep. individuals who have uh, other needs. Uh, I can help, sometimes do help, but usually it's an individual who has a business need that comes to me. And as this is the case because I am a solo practitioner. My wife works alongside me. We okay. work together for the uh, this firm that I have, ILM Lawyers. Um, I will have some referral relationships that I will back up against anything. Uh, mm-hmm. And I usually stay involved. If somebody brings something to me, because usually they're bringing something to me because they, they want, want me. Yeah, exactly. But I'll be perfectly transparent with them and say, look, here's the part that I'm going to play in this transaction. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and we're going to take it over to my friend who's going to handle the rest of this. Yep. But I'm going to manage the process. I'm going to re- manage the relationship and make sure that you're not gouged in any of your pricing. Exactly. And That's awesome. it turns out there's a lot of people that are looking for just that because yeah. law, like tax, like any, like anything, is something that is relationship-based and trust-based. Yep. Uh, and insurance is certainly that because really what you're looking for is who can I give this to and know it's going to be handled? People... People don't want to think about insurance. They don't want to think about law. They want to think about tax, finance. Yeah, they don't want to think they about wanna, accounting. You know? Yeah, I mean, this this is something that's tough for people. But people like us, we go out there, we do it for them, and that's the reason that we have clients. That's the reason we have business, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So, I mean, and that's what you have such an entrepreneurial approach to the way that you that you do everything. I mean, yeah, you're 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 a lawyer, mm-hmm. and you know you studied law and you've been a lawyer, but you know everything you're saying is much more business oriented, business minded. I think that's probably accurate. I mean, I my my, my mom and dad are entrepreneurs. Okay. My grandfather. Uh, what kind of businesses did they do, or what type of? Yeah. So my grandfather, uh, he ran and owned a, a furniture manufacturing company in Morganton. Morgan. That, that sounds about right. Yeah. That, that's in yeah. the furniture area of North Carolina, right? Yeah. Tons of companies. Drexel, Henredon. Yeah. Were operating out of Morganton. They're no longer operating there. Uh, the the market has changed. Yeah, a, a lot of things went overseas. Yep. And my family, among many other families, attempted to move manufacturing operations overseas whenever the price points became uh, more difficult to achieve here in the States. But quality control was not so great back then. Maybe it's better now. I don't know. But it became a a difficult proposition. My grandfather got older. He decided that it was time for him to transition out of the business. And my dad, the serial entrepreneur that he is, he's started several companies since then. Uh, mostly within the realm of uh, of tile construction mm-hmm. and tile technology. He has a company called Tileware Products that he owns and has created some patents on, sells them all over the world. He and my mom work together, so me and my wife working together, not oh, entirely cool. dissimilar from uh, from whence I came. Yeah, yeah. So then from, like, from, you know, Chapel Hill law firm down to Wilmington, what, 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 how'd you guys pick Wilmington? You're just like, I kind of want to go out at the beach and pretty much and just kind of regroup yeah and see i mean it just seemed like if i had already come that far on interstate 40 <laughs> might as well i might as well just end. reach the termination point yeah. and go on down to wilmington and see what happens uh it, it literally was that we went we came to um we came to wilmington on a lark one weekend while we were still living in uh chapel hill yeah and uh we went downtown and, you know, we had been there any number of times separately and with family. And we went to Barbary Coast and yes. just had a big time, Chris. 
I bet. Chris, we had a big time. Yeah. And it was one of those moments where we were saying, you know, whenever, and, th- and again, I, I regret saying this because I don't want this to be what people should take away about Wilmington now. It's not this now. But at the, at the time, I had this perception, whenever I retire, I'm going to move here. Right. That was something that people used to say. I don't think people are saying that too much anymore. They shouldn't be if they are, because you don't have to wait to retire to move here. You can move here now. You can start a company now. We've got all kinds of stuff that you can lean into. Big, small, medium, whatever you want, you can do business here. Absolutely you can. And and another thing on that philosophy is why work your life so that you can retire? Yeah. Why not build your lifestyle around something where – you're not looking forward to retirement. You're right. looking forward to every day that you get to that's go exactly out and right. Do it, right. And you can do that here. That's that's the beauty of it, you know? So So basically to answer your question, um, that had happened fairly recent prior to me getting um unceremoniously furloughed. And uh it was top of mind. Yeah. Let's go down there. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Rest is history. That's awesome. Say. Yeah. All right. So now we gotta get into county commissioner. How did how do you go from everything to that to then getting into the seat of of uh, county commissioner? Uh, wow that, that that's a that's a story that for me is still just a little bit beyond belief. I, I can't believe that I'm county commissioner. Uh, it's it's surprising to me. Um, how long now? I guess seven months into the job. Yep. Didn't see it happening. Uh, the backstory is 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 both sad right. and happy and all of the things in between. Um, earlier this year, I had made the determination that I was going to run for Wilmington City Council. Okay. And uh, I think Wilmington City Council is great. I have no complaints about Wilmington City Council. But my friend, uh, Margaret Haynes, who's an outgoing city councilwoman, uh, and I spent a lot of time together uh, on Wilmington Downtown Incorporated. It's one yep. of the nonprofits that I spent a lot of time at. Yep. Served as chair there. Um, and she said, I'm not running again. And I said, looks like there's an opening. I'm, I'm going to try and bring uh, pro-business, reasonable perspective that is not lacking but is needed. You need as many of those as you can get Heck yeah. over on city council. Heck yeah. And so I started putting together some planning for what I was going to do for running for city council. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I launched a, a campaign. I filed some paperwork with the uh, Board of Elections. I had a campaign event, and a bunch of my friends came out. It was a really good campaign event. I was kind of surprised at how many of my friends came out oh, cool. and were willing to give me money. I said, I got my, maybe I'm onto something here. Yeah. One of those friends that came out was um, Deb Hayes. Yeah. Um, Deb and I have um, Deb and I were friends for a very long time, and we uh, did a lot of volunteering together, did a lot of nonprofit work together, and um, um, after I finished my term as WDI chair, she became chair, and she won uh, her election to the county commission in 2020. And I was a big supporter of hers whenever she ran for county commission. She had previously run for city council a couple of times prior to that, and I had supported her every single time. So I was ecstatic whenever she became county commissioner because she's a really was a really hardworking person and uh, a really uh, giving person and somebody that, I mean, if you wanted to get access to her, she gave you access to her. That says and a lot about someone. She's, she's a really wonderful person in so many ways. 
And um, that, one of the things, you know, I just I loved about her was that I don't know how she did it all, but she was up early, up late, and regularly our calls and text messages to one another were at 11, midnight. I mean, that's whenever she could fit it in. Um, but she um, she was really doing good work, and she came to that event that I had mm-hmm. and said, I love you, I support you. I think that that night after the event, she sent me a bunch of nice text messages. I'm going to do everything I can to get you elected to city council. Mm-hmm. Two or three days later, I got a phone call from uh, Councilman Luke Waddell at 7.50 in the morning. And this was after I had gotten a phone call from a number of other people earlier that morning uh, that I didn't answer. And I said, if all these people, uh, Bill Rivenbark, uh, et cetera, et cetera, were calling me, something's not right at right. prior to 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Right. And uh, I answered the phone, and, and Luke said, um, Deb is dead. And I said, oh, no, it's, that's not possible. Uh, I was just with her, and um, it was, in fact, the case, and we were all devastated, and uh, I'm sure many people in the community who uh, knew her watched and saw that there were so many people that came out for the memoriam that we had for her at Airly Garden. We planted a huge tree in her honor, and, um, I mean, she's just one of those figures that's irreplaceable, but, in fact, is uh, necessarily replaceable on the county commission because the business of the county must go on. Right. So the rules and regs are basically that once this person uh, is no longer serving for whatever reason, they vacate right. it, they die, unfortunately, it has to be filled. And ultimately, the recommendation for who fills it has to be affirmed by the other county commissioners. Got it. Okay. So I think by virtue of me having just announced that I was running for city council for me, having been a pretty active volunteer nonprofit person who also tried really hard to be uh, a work across the aisle guy, I say, um, you know, politics is an essential part of our life. And generally speaking, you see that in New Hanover County, we've got literally one third Republican, one third Democrat, one third unaffiliated. Mm -hmm. This is a community where in order to get along with folks, in order to get work done, you got to have a purple mentality on Mm -hmm. a lot of things. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, Chris, don't misunderstand. I mean, I'm a proud, lifelong Republican, but I'm also somebody who wants to work with people regardless of their political persuasion. got to. And, I mean, it's hard. You can't just throw a blanket over everything out there and say, I'm going to – I believe in this thing because of this. There's – you got to look at it situationally. And what is the bigger impact? What is the bigger thing at play? And sometimes that might be on the left side or sometimes it might be on the right side. But what makes the most sense? Well, we're too frequently willing to categorize people and ideas into these buckets. And it's more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, At the end of the day, compromise is not a dirty word. Mm. Compromise is something that is an essential part of life. Now, there are certain things, Chris, that I'm not going to compromise on. But that needs to actually be a pretty limited list of things. Not everything is so dire that you can't work with somebody on. So the reason that I brought all that up is because while the Republican Party made a unanimous recommendation for me to become the next county commissioner, it would only work if the other four county commissioners, and there were two Democrats and two Republicans that were sitting there, could agree that I was the person that was right for the job. And because I had worked with all of them for a long time, including the folks that aren't on the same 
side as me, which I, I hate that, right? We're all on the same side. We have different ideas about some policy items, but we're on the same side as one another. But Jonathan Barfield and Rob Zappel, my friends, my coworkers, my fellow commissioners, mm -hmm. they knew me and they knew that I was a person that was willing to reason. They knew that I was a person that was willing to work with them on items that were important to them. Yep. And ultimately, I was proud beyond belief that whenever that recommendation came from the Republican Party and it went to all those other commissioners, that they all said, Dane, you're the one that we want. We're going to vote in favor of you. And I was a little bit green about politics, still am. So that, that morning, whenever there was the vote, I still wasn't quite sure. I oh said, they, they've gosh, all brought man. me here to humiliate me. Yeah. My mom's here. Oh my kids my are here. Gosh. My wife is here. But they all did exactly what they said they were going to do. And they said, we want Dane to serve with us up here on the dais. And that was in April. Um, I told this story whenever I gave my speech, uh, basically thanking everybody for coming out and whatever else. But it really, I think, bears repeating. April 17th was the day that I was sworn in, 2023. Got it. And April 18th, 2013, was the day that my wife and I were married. And the reason that that's significant is because my wife and I got married at the old courthouse in downtown Wilmington, no which is where we hold our commission hearing. So literally separated On by— your 10-year anniversary. 10 years. Yes. Where I had gotten married to the love of my life, I took a new oath to become New Hanover County Commissioner. Whenever you say all this stuff, it—, it that's why I say it's too crazy for me to it's tell you why I'm surprising. It, it, I can't believe that it happened, but here I am, and here I'm I'm doing it in combination with everything else that I'm doing. Man, the, it's it's such a cool story, and there's this Steve Jobs quote, Steve Jobs quote that I'm not going to say right. I'm going to paraphrase it, but I got elected to like give a speech to my MSA program at yeah. the commencement, yeah. and I was like, I don't know anything, so I'm just going to quote Steve Jobs yeah. because he seems like a pretty good dude. Yeah, you know, smart. Like, he's like done that. some stuff, right? <laughs> but it, one of his one of his quotes was, "You don't know where the future's going to take you. You don't know how you're going to connect the dots." Right. But, you know, you have to follow your instinct. You have to follow your intuition. And it's funny, your story is looking back, all the work that you did, you never would know how those dots would connect. No. And the connection point is, you know, where you're sitting today. Yeah. And it's like, the harder you work, the luckier you get. You do right. You do good by people and you help people. And good things happen to good people. I mean, that's... I, I couldn't agree with you more. And here. truly, whenever you say where I sit right now, I mean literally where I sit right now. I mean, the fact that I'm the sort of person that somebody with a, a podcast would call me and say, I want you to show up on my podcast and talk. I'm still a little bit stunned about that. <laughs> I'm stunned I'm sitting here doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really cool, though, and I take it seriously for yeah. that reason. Heck yeah. Because there's a bunch of this that was in my control, but a bunch more that was beyond my control. But to your point, and I say something almost identical to that, that if you work hard, you're kind to other people, you're going to ultimately get good results as a yep. consequence of yep. that. Yep. If, if you do just a couple of things, you're going to probably be okay. Not everything will work out, but a lot of stuff will work out. Mm -hmm. I definitely believe in the power of positive thinking. I definitely believe that if you choose to believe that something can happen, it's more likely for it to happen. Absolutely. Now, you can have a mystical component to that, a spiritual component to that, or you can just have a practical component to that. It's maybe some combination of all of those things. But I really do believe that positive thinking leads to great results for everybody. It's also who people want to do business with. Exactly, man. Nobody exactly. wants to do business with negative folks. Sorry to all the negative folks. 
uh, I'm sure you're great, but you'd be better if you were positive. Yeah. And I, I'd pro- I don't know if this would make me a good or a bad politician, whatever, but not that that's any goal I have, but I always say the best deal is a mutually beneficial deal. Yeah. Because if, if, you, if someone feels that they're not like in the right or they're getting slighted or like, oh, this guy's like taking yeah. advantage of me, it's not going to last. No, you're right. In, in law, we say at a mediation or a settlement otherwise that the best deal is the one where everybody walks away feeling a little bit bad about what happened, but ultimately go. can live with it. Right. I mean, yeah. You're, you're going to have to accept as part of life that you're never going to get 100. Okay. Let me not let me not say never. You right. will sometimes get 100% of what you want. Right. Most of the time you won't. And you need to recalibrate your expectations for your life to say that's okay. And actually the, the greater good fellow man, all of that sort of stuff. And I'm not trying to sound too hippy dippy here, but I really do believe in this, that if we can find those commonalities, it's a rising tide. Heck yeah. And man, I just, you know, we've, we we talked a little bit about this, but I've been, I've always been someone that's avoided politics. Yeah. I like truly. And I I truly say, I know that this isn't right, but the ignorance is bliss type thing. It's like, whenever I turn on the news, whenever I'm reading stuff, I'm just like, I don't, first of all, I don't even know if any of this is real. Like, what's real? I have to, I have to like, think about it, which I got enough to worry we're getting, about. We're getting deeply philosophical. <laughs> right? I like it. But um, Just so that everyone knows, it, it is just the bourbon that we're having. There were no magic mushrooms yeah, or no, anything else that not. were involved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that would... But, um, but, yeah, so, I mean, to the politics side, you know, like, I've always kind of, like, tried to stray away from it, don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But... At the end of the day, everything you do in life, there's some type of political yeah. aspect to it. And politics has is a lot of people just think it's like a dirty word. Yeah. It's like when you say, oh, politics, everybody's like, oh, you know, politics. But politics, I mean, how how would you define it? Maybe you can like define no, it better. No, I mean, I, I think than, that you're doing a great job with it. Here's the reality about politics from my perspective. It is an expression of ultimately the most base human instincts. Okay. Um, and some of those are good and some of those are bad. Right. We're motivated to look out for ourselves. Yep. We're motivated to look out for our tribe. And ultimately, politics is a reflection of that. Absolutely. But the higher thinking is to recognize that your baser instincts are not the ones that you need to always lean into. Exactly. But, but there is a higher calling and being that you can achieve by essentially saying, I can sublimate self a little bit mm-hmm. for the benefit of my brother, right. for the benefit of my sister. Right. And I don't need to get 100% of the win every time. I want to get it where it really matters. But in other instances, maybe it's important to you, and I'm willing to compromise and negotiate on that. Yeah. In this community, again, you have to do that. But I think that you need to do that everywhere. In, in every, I mean, what, how, what type of politics do you do at home with your kids when That's you're exactly trying what, to get them to bed or when you're trying to get them to every shower? Day, whether you realize it or not, exactly. it's just easier to call it something uh, red or blue whenever right. you have it in these, again, discrete buckets. Red bucket, blue bucket. I am more than my red bucket. And so is everyone else. And we don't do a good job anymore of figuring out how to talk to one another despite those differences. Maybe that's just like one of those, I'm trending into boomer status and I... No, you're you're nowhere near that, man. Nowhere near that. Things seem to have changed in some ways. At least there there, there was a perception that I have about the past was that people were able to say, 
uh, you and I don't agree with one another, but we're still going to get together and be friends. Yep. It's harder for people to do that now. And I think that polarization is a consequence of social media. Oh, my gosh. It's a don't consequence get, yeah. of 24-hour news. Yep. Uh, you said that you don't watch it. You don't pay attention to it. Chris, let me tell you. I truly, I know it's so bad. I, I am deeply involved in local politics. I do not pay attention to politics beyond local politics. What can you do to control it? It's, 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 the, it's, it's, the, it's the serenity, uh, or it's the th focus on the things you can control and, you know. Serenity now. <laughs> <laughs> serenity now. But, so, but, you know, and that's, and that's why I love small business. Yeah. Because I believe that small business owners can have that positive impact yep. on a community, right? Yep. Like a small business owner has a family. They have, they can hire other people that have a family. And like you said, you know, big corporations are crucial, right? Like, and I would never discount, you know, the GE, the Corning, the, you know, the Live Oak, you know, those big businesses here. We need them great. We need them and they're awesome. Yeah. And they provide so much. But, you know, like you said, 80% of the businesses here yep. are, you know, are small businesses. Yep. And the, when you think about it from that, if you can be proactive to help those, that group of people, you know, that helps, that filters all the way down to, to everybody, right? Well, you're exactly right. And it's also the sort of thing that would help us be better in both business and politics if we could look to one another and say, hey, we've got a, a mutual need, a transactional one or otherwise. Right. I'm a small business. I provide a service. You need that service. And really what you think about issue X is irrelevant to the equation. Right. If we were able to better do that, we'd do better business and we'd do better politics with one another. But it's also why that small business piece is so important because it's a relationship game. Yeah. Most of the time, somebody's doing business with a small business because they've identified them as somebody that they want to do business with, somebody that they can trust, they trust. To, do, to do good business. Yep. And again, that's part of why I think that nonprofit volunteer piece is so critical because whenever people look to you and see that you're engaged yep. for some non-monetary reasons in your community, right. that's going to help to suggest to your potential clients, your potential customers, the depth of your commitment to the community. That's part of why I do what I do. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I, I truly, like I said, I'm a, when it comes to politics, I'm, I'm situational, you know, there's different situations that call for different, but I'm, I'm a businessman. I'm pro business. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we can a lot of the systemic issues that we have in society are you know and they're all in each community the same problems that we have in this community is very similar to the problems that you have in the community across the country right small business can solve so many of yeah, those man. issues economic opportunity is just, one of the most critical things that we need that we can never have enough of exactly so i mean i i really like you know being pro business but then also having empathy and being a real life human being that there are some situations where you have you know there's people you know yep. we're people like it's a community and when you're sitting in you know somewhere else you're sitting in the ivory tower of corporate america or you know wherever you are you, you don't have that connection so it's easy to make a, a what i would consider a poor decision that has a negative impact on local on small biz. Definitely. And let me say one of the things that's really interesting about being a local politician, and obviously I know politicians always say this, but I hate being called a politician. Uh, I, like, I know because uh, it's like been a dirty, it's like a dirty <laughs> word. Public servant is what I try to stick with. There you go. But we at the local level impact folks' lives way more than people realize. And in many ways, more than what you're seeing 
in D.C. or even Raleigh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of the little rules and regulations that impact you, that allow you to run a business effectively, efficiently, are being set at the local level. So one of the commitments that I bring to this job is clearly government has an obligation to provide basic infrastructure, rules and regulations. Right. We don't want people just doing whatever with no consequences. Some framework and yeah, some support. I'm, I'm not a, support. An ar anarchist, right, obviously. Right, right. But it is also true that government can totally get in the way. And it can get in the way of business. And if it gets in the way of small business in particular, it's not just something that you put on a line item. Right. That says cost of doing business. No, it's whether or not you can survive. Right. It's whether a, or not I can feed my family. Yes. Or hire an employee. I got to. Yeah. Some of those rules and regs, and I don't mean to be some uh, conspiracy theorist, but it's it's true. Uh, a lot of the rules and regs that are set at the federal level and even at the state level sometimes benefit big business because it's easy for them to absorb the costs that are associated with those things. It's a right. lot harder for smaller, smaller businesses to do that. Right. So that's why it's really important that politicians of whatever variety, at whatever level, make sure that the things that we implement really are achieving their intended purpose and not an unintended purpose and allow small businesses to operate Truly, without small businesses, I don't know where we would be. I don't want to actually live in a society that doesn't have small businesses. That uh, society where it's just large corporations, where, uh, where it's just government-managed business, there's a couple of words for that. I know. That I, know I, don't, I, don't, I was about let's to not, say it. Let's no, not say like, it not so that we don't say, say those. So we don't want to be those people. But actually, entrepreneurship, free enterprise. Free market capitalism. Free market capitalism is... God's blessing on, on one of many on America, and I'm so glad that we take that seriously in New Hanover, Wilmington. We, I think, have leaders that recognize that. From what I've seen, from what I've done um, with the people that are involved, they get it. it. It doesn't matter where they are. They, they recognize we need to make sure that small business has the opportunity to operate, and it's part of why we're, I think, really working hard on promoting Come to this area. Absolutely. Start your business here. Bring your business here. We're yep. ready for you. Yep, we absolutely are. I'm and ready to hire you or you're ready to hire me uh, in either law or insurance. Yeah, exactly. You're ready to provide some accounting and other services to them. And absolutely. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it, man. You know, I think we're we're right we're right at the, the tail end there. So I think that's a great a great way to conclude. But I think we should cheers to Deb and, yeah. um, and cheers to, to both of us and everybody. So cheers. Thank cheers. you for having me on. Yeah, this man. was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I think that'll work. That's awesome. Can we print it? Clear. Clear. <laughs> Dude, that was that was that was one of the best ones.